Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. Normally on this podcast, we interview someone who has successfully used cannabis to deal with a significant health issue. Today, we're going to try something a little different. For the last 10 years, day after day, Corey Yellen has dedicated her life to helping others with their issues. So we're going to deal with some of the common questions Corey gets asked on a regular basis. But first, some of you may not know about Corey's background and how she got started. For those who are unfamiliar about what you do, Corey, take us back 10 years and briefly tell your story of your diagnosis with anal canal cancer and the prognosis you were given. Okay, so in July of 2011, um, I was diagnosed with anal cancer, and I was given two to four months to live, six on the outside. Uh, I did no chemo. I did no radiation. The only surgery I had was diagnostic. All I did was cannabis oil. Uh, Cleared myself of cancer. Uh, Back in the day, there were no Facebook pages on it. I was completely and utterly on my own. There were no dispensaries that sold it, so I had to make it. Uh, Cleared myself of cancer. I'd said all along, if it worked, I'd spend the rest of my life telling people about it, and here we are, 10 years later. Corey, (laughs) why did you um, not undertake conventional treatment? Well, that's interesting. Okay, so I get so many people that say to me, oh my God, you were so brave. Well, let me tell you, I go to the cancer clinic and just in a quick summarization, they say this is the worst part of the body to treat. Uh, You're going to have bone deterioration. We're going to hit your coccyx and your pubic bone. We'll try not to hit your your spine. You're going to have second and third degree burns vaginally, rectally, paraanally. Uh, your vagina is likely going to fuse shut. Your rectum's likely going to fuse shut. And I remember thinking, I don't uh-uh, think so. Mm. Okay. So um, I didn't do this out of a place of bravery. Let me be really, really clear about that. I did this out of a complete mountain of fear and apprehension. There was no way I would rather die than have gone through that. So I chose uh, an alternative. It just wasn't even an option for me. You know, I remember saying to my son, quality of life or quantity of life. And it was very, very evident to me after I did my research that even if I was successful with radiation, my quality of life was going to be pathetic. Right. Now, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, at the time there were no or very few Facebook pages on cannabis. There was limited information. How did you come upon deciding to use cannabis? My sister sent me uh, the Run From The Cure video, uh, and I could see it was an hour long. I had it previously counseled uh, terminally ill cancer patients and their families coming from a holistic vein. I thought I knew everything there was to know about different ways of trying to combat cancer alternatively. And I hadn't heard of cannabis oil. Um, 
It took me a while to watch the video because I could see it was an hour long and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. But mm -hmm. anyway, I eventually watched it just to get her off my back. And that was a turning point. I, I watched it and I went, holy crap. And I watched it a second time and then I watched it a third time and went, whoa, and started looking into it. Now, one of the questions you get asked is the use of a gram a day for leading up to 90 days as, quote, the common protocol of using cannabis oil. But you did not get up to a gram a day, did you? No. And I'm really, really clear with people, you know, that whole 60 grams in 90 days has gone out the window. 60 grams of what? An oil that's 72% THC, 5% CBD, 1.2% CBN. How damaged is that person's body from chemo and radiation? How many cannabinoid receptors does that person have? All of that comes into play. So um, I didn't get to a gram a day for a number of reasons, tolerance-wise, and also financially, I could not afford to do that. Uh, I think at most, I got to two-thirds of a gram a day. And when I speak to people now, I say, you know, that that gram is just a guideline, and I can't stress that enough. Some people need more. Some people need less. All in all, a gram is enough to take care of most cancers. But I've long ago lost track of the number of people that I've participated in clearing that got nowhere near a gram a day. Mm -hmm. Corey, when were you given the doctor's uh, diagnosis of being disease-free? It was a year after my diagnosis. I think I went back to the doctor like a year and a couple of months later. I didn't go back beforehand because keep in mind, I'm on my own here. Mm -hmm. And everything I've read, which was very little out there on this, 60 grams in 90 days. Well, I hadn't got to a gram a day. I certainly hadn't done 60 and 90. So I figured I still must have it. I only really went back to the doctor a year later, well, I think it was probably 14 months later, 15 months later, because I kind of felt like I should go and just get checked and kind of check in with him. Mm -hmm. But I really actually was shocked that it was gone. I was stunned. And you told me how much of a difference it made to your quality of life. Um, you, I think, if I recall correctly, you mentioned that you were, you were not walking properly. Uh, you felt, let's say you felt old. But soon I was old. I was old. <laughs> I was like this decrepit old lady, Ian. Honest to God, I was. Uh, because I had that condition called post-sternotomy syndrome from open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had literally existed for five years, and not lived, existed. I was like this little old lady hunched over in absolute agony on every pharmaceutical, copious amounts of them that you could possibly think of. Wow. Yeah, and within 10 days, I was down to one Tylenol, or half a Tylenol 3 a day. And, and with just Tylenol 3s alone, I was taking 10, 15 of those a day. Wow. Never mind everything else. Oh, my God, oh. when I think about it now. God, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I was on morphine, opium, uh, Percocet, Percodon, Dilaudid, uh, MS Contin, uh, just to name a few, Tylenol 3. Sleeping pills. Jesus, I had no idea. Oh yeah, it was um, it was amazing. Now Corey and I met. I think it was probably around um, early 2015 when I had a talk show at uh, our local radio station. I p played a clip, a uh, YouTube clip of this fellow. I think it was in the UK, 
and he talked about using cannabis to, um, to cure himself. And then I got an email from this Corey Yellen who sent information on her story, and she lived right here. So that was great. I invited Corey into the studio, and from there we did an interview, I think, every month, Corey, until I got fired, and they fired everyone else. And then after that, you and I started a podcast on cannabis. We did that um, every weekday for 11 months. Yes, we did. Oh, man. And then we realized that there's really no money in this. And so we quit for two years, but we really liked doing it. So we came back, and uh, thanks to Ron Zahar, our producer... And uh, he dedicated his studios, still does to this day, and uh, we record our podcast, one podcast a week. Now, Corey, the questions you get, what's the most common question you receive on a continuous basis? Oh, boy. Well, there's a few. Uh, People's main concern tends to be that they don't want to be high. Mm. So let me be really clear with people that you do not need to be high to do this. The youngest person that I've worked with was two months old. The oldest was 86. I can assure you that neither of them were high. Two months old. Two months old. Yeah. Now you say you don't have to get high. Tell people why. Uh, 95% of the people that I work with uh, do suppositories morning and afternoon and an oral dose at night. The oral dose is very small. We start very low. We go very slow. They sleep through the effects of it. In the daytime, suppositories. So the statistic is that in 90% of cases, people who do suppositories don't get high. I'm here to argue that. I've spoken to thousands upon thousands of people. I've only ever once talked to somebody who got high that way. So the key to suppositories is this, and this is absolutely crucial an inch to an inch and a half in, just past your inner sphincter muscle. You have an outer sphincter muscle and an inner sphincter muscle. You want it just past the inner sphincter muscle. And I know that, you know, not everybody has the same anatomical knowledge. And I do speak with people who are anatomically naive. And I tend to share this story with a lot of people because I think it gives them a light bulb moment and it is kind of funny. So I spoke with this one woman who was one of these people that was anatomically naive. And she just was not getting the whole suppository thing. And I was trying every way I knew how to explain it to her. And after about 10 minutes, I was like running out of options. And I'm thinking, shoot, I don't know how to explain this to her any better. And finally, she goes, ow, (laughs) like that. You mean where it gets to that part where it kind of sucks it in? So that's where you want it, where it kind of sucks it in, all right? And But people have a light bulb moment when I say that. They go, oh, yeah, you know, they find it funny. But, uh, yeah, so that's where you want it. You don't want it any further. You don't want it up in your throat, okay? Yeah. Tell us the story. This is a bit of humor. Tell us the story about the woman whose husband had prostate cancer and refused to do suppositories any longer because it hurt. Okay, so generally when I'm speaking to people, particularly if I'm speaking to people out of the U.S., uh, where there's a product available that's really, really good there, uh, 
uh, I'll talk to them about using uh, rectal dosing, doing it with support with uh, pardon me with syringes, with one mil syringes. Um, using that as the applicator, mix it with a carrier oil and do it that way. Um, you can put an elastic band at 0.3 mark, so that makes it really easy for people. It stops right there and it puts it exactly where it has to go. Keeping in mind that many, many people are very, very afraid of getting high. So this, this takes all the guesswork out of whether or not they've pushed it in too far. So I had a gentleman and his wife call me and he had prostate cancer. And we spoke at length and they got started on, or he got started on cannabis oil. And my recommendation was to do, you know, rectal dosing morning and afternoon and an oral dose at night. And she called me up and she was very upset and angry and said that her husband was refusing to do suppositories anymore. And I said, well, how many has he had? And she said two. And I said, well, why is he refusing to do them anymore? And she said, he says it hurts too much. And I said, it hurts too much. I said, what size syringe are you using? And she said, the skinny little one, like you told me. And I told him, you know, you got to walk it off and man up. This is your life we're talking about. And she said, you know, it's hard enough trying to push that stuff out through the needle. And I went, yeah. And then I went, what? What did you say? So she had actually been using the syringe with a needle on and doing that rectally to him. And that poor man actually let her do it twice <laughs> before he said no more. Oh, <laughs> so God. now I'm very clear with people, no needles. Because, <laughs> okay? yeah, I just assumed people would know when I say syringe, just a syringe. But at any rate, yeah. So we all had a good chuckle about that after everybody got over being upset. <laughs> and no suppositories in the penis. No. So this has come up a couple of times lately. Um, I had a gentleman who had prostate cancer and felt uh, that perhaps putting the suppository in his penis would be more beneficial than doing it rectally. That's not the case. And I also did have a, a gentleman uh, with kidney stuff who was wondering whether it would go through, down the urethra that way. So, no, please don't put anything in your penis without seeking medical advice from your physician. Please. Corey, and there's not a whole lot that I can do about it when you call me and tell me. So. <laughs> One of the things about suppositories, we interviewed uh, Bogodar. Boshadar. Boshadar. Yeah, I was in, just talking to him this morning. In Slovenia. Uh, and that was a fascinating podcast about the how using suppositories is multi-times more effective in treating your ailment than taking it orally. Was it about 200 times? It's a uh, hundred times stronger for THC, the concentration of cannabinoids given rectally versus orally, 100 times stronger for THC, 250 times stronger for CBD, but uh, no high. No high. And, yeah. And for all the naysayers out there, no, this is not absorbed via the bloodstream. It's absorbed via the fluid of the lymph nodes. That's how it's getting in. So this was really new medical knowledge just within, I believe, the past year. Yes, we interviewed him in February of last year. I think it's episode 298. Now, a number of times over the course of a week, we get uh, people who send us emails wanting to know, where do I buy it? And I tell them, we do not 
grow, sell, or manufacture cannabis oil? No. Okay, so making it yourself, of course, is always good if you can do that, but I can appreciate that many people can't. Um, let's, let's go with, first of all, where not to buy it. Mm -hmm. Please, please, please do not order online. You're going to get scammed. You're either going to get completely scammed and not get any product, or you're going to get some really subgrade crap. And, you know, I've had, I get people all the time getting taken for, for one gentleman was taken for $5,000 American. 5,000. Mm. Okay. Never order online. It's much easier to open your window and throw your money out that way. Um, for people in Canada, please don't use these government dispensaries because they're, they're capped out at 30% THC. When somebody calls me and says they have cancer, I tell them they need a minimum of 60%. It's nowhere near strong enough. Um, be very careful, please. Of these Facebook groups out there, there are many, many cannabis cancer Facebook pages out there. There's some very good ones, and there are some out there that are just a very thin veil for selling oil or scamming people. And they'll have people in there kind of supporting them, and they'll, you know, everybody's an armchair expert, and it, at first glance ap appears kosher, mm -hmm. not necessarily. Just be really, really wary. Um, as somebody who's been at this for 10 years, I do know pretty much who's reliable and who isn't. If you're thinking of purchasing from somewhere, perhaps send me a private message and say, have you heard of these people? Are they good? I can give you my two cents worth for what that's worth. Often, if people message me, I'm able to direct them to some safe access. I would say probably 90% of the time. Um, you don't have to be in Canada necessarily or in the States necessarily. Um, I do have some other people that are helping people in different countries that I can point you towards. That's one thing you can do. Um, dispensaries, you got to be careful with too. You know, I get somewhere between, oh gosh, 60 to 80 phone calls a week from people with a rendition of, I've been on the oil for two months. Why isn't it working? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Where'd you get it? More often than not, a dispensary. More often than not, when they circle back to that dispensary, it's nowhere near what they need. So it is really about know your source. And, and that could be hard, particularly when you're going through like a cancer diagnosis and your head is already spinning and you're in a state of shock. You've been hit by this emotional semi. You're extremely vulnerable. And please remember that you're extremely vulnerable. And these people that are scammers, they don't care. That gentleman that was ripped off for that $5,000, he had a 17-year-old son with a brain tumor. I don't know how these people sleep at night, but they do, evidently. So, Remember a few years ago, we got uh, you got a message from someone in South America who wanted some cannabis delivered that afternoon? Yeah, I had somebody in Nepal that wanted the same thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't even remember where that was, Venezuela or something? I yeah. can't remember. Chili? Chili. I think it was chili. Yeah. Let's go with chili. Yeah, let's go with chili, yeah. Now, what about the use of varying strains? Tell us about that. Well, basically, we see a much higher success rate 
uh, with a multi-strain oil versus a single strain oil? And I actually get, that's one of the questions I get a lot, Ian, is what is a multi-strain oil? Hmm. So a multi-strain oil is an oil that's made from more than one strain. So then people will go, oh, you mean indica? No. There are hundreds and hundreds of indicas. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sativas. Okay, so what that means is that there's more than one strain, hopefully, of indica or indica dominant making up that oil. So instead of that oil being made from just, say, for sake of argument, purple kush, it's made from a mixture of purple kush and, say, train wreck and, say, white widow. Okay, so every plant has different levels of cannabinoids, flavonoids, terpenes, etc., and they all work synergistically together. So the more the merrier, it just ups your chances. And even though, you know, when I made oil for myself, I would only get a tiny little bit of product, you know, a couple of ounces and make up this little bit of oil. I always had like a quarter ounce of one, a quarter of another, a quarter of another and a quarter of another. And I have had, you know, doctors, you know, cannabis savvy doctors actually say to me that they feel that was one of the reasons I was so successful in eradicating the cancer I had was because I did use multi-strains. Um, I don't know of any dispensaries that sell multi-strain oil uh, in the States or Canada. I'm sure there must be some, but I don't know where they are. Mm. And again, you've got to check those levels. Um, somebody gave me a heads up to an article, which I admit I have not seen, that was posted the other day, talking about that there was a huge percentage of... Uh, dispensaries i believe this was in the states where basically the article was about that those those levels that you're reading about on those packages and those dispensaries are not necessarily reliable Corey, one of the things that uh, you and i have talked to other people about uh, are terpenes and i recall we did a podcast a couple of months ago about this uh, wife was helping her husband and uh, she was looking for multi-strains, and she picked out the ones with the highest terpenes for his various illness. Uh, do you recall that? Okay, what that was about was, uh, that was the gentleman with melanoma. Right. And yeah. he uh, had been doing a two-strain oil from plants they had made, and he was going down the tube. He wasn't making any progress. He was just holding. Mm -hmm. And it was a very aggressive form of melanoma with a very short life expectancy, and it was always fatal. Um, so I pointed them the right direction for the six strain oil that we're seeing some incredible results with, and it's a four to one ratio THC to CBD. And they purchased a bit of that and she wanted to grow some plants because she knew she wouldn't be able to sustain purchasing it each month from this individual. Mm -hmm. Um, so she tried to get the strains uh, that this particular oil was composed of, she was able to, I think, source one or two, but not the rest. So instead of giving up, what she did was she got online and she looked up those strains that were being used in that oil and looked for the dominant terpenes and then searched for other strains that had, had those terpenes as their dominant ones and then grew those to make oil. Yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. And, you know, the power of taking control and doing it. Yeah. And you've always said that uh, getting healthy 
is a combination of body, mind, and spirit. Body, mind, and spirit. And, you know, once people, when you get that diagnosis, you're in like panic and fear and disbelief and shock. And at that stage, the cancer is controlling you. Once people start taking control of the cancer, the whole game changes in so many ways. Corey, I don't know how you manage to deal with parents whose children have cancer and are dying. I mean, that is really an emotional tug. It's very, very hard. It's an emotional tug, and these parents are absolutely amazing, amazing individuals. I have a parent right now who's just been told she's going to lose her little girl. She's got a couple other kids, and they're just so incredible, these parents, Ian. They're Mm. absolutely incredible. We could sure all take a page out of their book. Wow, they're amazing. Um, Yeah, with parents, for every 30 phone calls I get from parents, Ian, 29 of those will be a brain tumor. Brain tumors are just rampant in children right now. Why? I don't know. I think it's, you know, I think it's got something to do with Wi-Fi for starters. I mean, have you been in a, well, you you work in a store. Have you, How many times have you seen a kid holding a cell phone or an iPad and playing it like, you know, 15 months old? That's right. You know, I can't help wondering if that has something to do with it. Or but we, sure, you, know. you know, many years ago, we did uh, a podcast with, I believe, uh, a woman who was pregnant who was had her laptop on her belly while she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And and she had she had been uh put on bed rest for months. And it was before they really knew a whole bunch about, you know, radiation or, you know, yeah. Wi-Fi or whatever and what it would do. And so she would because she was stuck in bed. Yeah. 24/7, she'd have this laptop on her belly and she said, "Oh, I will always wonder if that's what happened." Because her son had a brain tumor and eventually passed away. Mm. Yeah. Corey, what is the most satisfying um, case that you've you've dealt with over the years? Is there uh, one? I, I know there. I know successful ones are always satisfying, but there must be some one or two that you know you will never, ever, ever forget. Oh, there's there's a number I'll never forget. So the little boy we were just talking about, Spencer, he was the very first child I ever worked with. And he had DIPG, the worst of the worst. It's a brainstem brain tumor. And um, I think he came to me at hmm, 13 months or 15 months or something like that. And uh, we were able to prolong his life by, I think, four or five years and that was pretty amazing, to, you know, to watch what he did. Um, I had another brain tumor child. He had multiple brain tumors. And uh, his mom called me. He had been sent, four years old. He had been sent home on hospice. They'd given him 10 days to, to two weeks. He was in absolute agony. He was on oil, 92% THC. He was on three grams a day. And I could hear him in the background screaming in agony. Um, I contacted uh, some people that I uh, use in the States to help me. And they um, overnighted 
product to him, a, a much lower THC concentration, approximately 69%, but a multi-strain. And that child lived for nine months. His hand uncurled, his eyes uncrossed. He was out and playing every day. He was eating. Um, he only required pain medication twice in nine months. The tumors, you could see all the tumors on his skull were actually shrinking. I think he died of a brain hemorrhage in the end. But the joy that it gave his mom, mm. and she was very realistic about whether or not he would live, but the joy it gave his mom to see her son not in pain and just being, in quotations, a normal child again, was such a huge gift to her. Yeah, that's a touch. And she was very, very clear about what a gift that was. And that was, that was lovely. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Corey, how long are you going to continue doing this? I don't know, Ian. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say to you, man, I'm burning out. But I, that is partially in you. And I've talked about this. Mm-hmm. So I've said this to you. I need to get some balance in my life. And because I basically do this 24-7. Yeah. And you can't do that. No. You, no. you need some time for yourself. Like I start, you know what time I started this morning, Ian? I did my first consultation at four o'clock this morning. Mm. I did my last one last night at 10 o'clock at night. So you need some sleep. So I need some sleep. R- rumor has it. <laughs> rumor has it. Yeah. Sleep's highly overrated. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, one of the things that I just want to be clear to people about, because, and you know how, as as sensitive human beings, stuff can bug us. Mm-hmm. What really bugs me, people, is when people are referring to THC and call it CBD oil. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, and the reason it bugs me is there is so much misinformation out there on CBD, and I cannot begin to tell you how many people we have lost because they thought they needed CBD and that CBD would kill the cancer. I think sometimes when people refer to it as CBD oil, they're doing that because they they think they're being discreet. Okay, mm-hmm. but CBD oil does not kill cancer, not on its own. No. It needs to be in conjunction with THC. Be very careful, please. There is a group, and I won't name it, but there is a, a Facebook page, and there is also a CBD product made by these people, and they penetrate as many Facebook groups as they can. And she out and out claims that their hemp CBD oil will, in quotations, cure cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have received messages from a number of people who were told that. And uh, she even posted, you remember uh, Ian Landon Riddle? Yeah. Uh, Sierra. Uh, so Landon was a little boy with leukemia that cleared mm-hmm. with THC, high THC oil. Uh, He was two, I think, when he had leukemia. She actually posted his picture on her page. This is just a while ago, a few months ago. And the post indicated that it was their wonderful (laughs) hemp seed or hemp oil that cleared Landon. I think I know who you're referring to. Yes. Yes. So be very, very careful of these CBD products out there, people, and they do not 
in quotations, cure cancer. Ian, do you remember we interviewed that gentleman who ran that lab that blind label tested the CBD? Yeah. And 90% of the CBD products in the States did not uh, contain what they said they did. So again, if you want to know if a product is good, check it out, do some investigation, or private message me if you want and say, hey, is this a good CBD product? And I'll tell you whether I think it is or not. You know, not that my my opinion is definitely right or wrong, but, you know, I generally know for the most part whether a product is decent or not. Corey, how many lives have you saved that you are aware of? Oh, geez, Ian. I counted that, tried to count a few years back now. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, over 1,500. So now, I don't know. I don't always hear back from people. Yeah. And then I'll find out they're alive and clear. And I'll go, oh, really? I thought maybe he had died. Um, I would say I'm probably coming up on 2,000. I don't know. Yeah. Probably probably about 2,000 now. I don't know. Yeah, I think since you and I uh, first met in 2015, it's been hundreds and hundreds that uh, you've uh, you've helped, and uh, they're fine today. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And to that woman in the southern U.S. who wanted to know if you and I were having an affair, we're not. No, we're not having an affair. We're not a couple. <laughs> and Ian, what about red-headed women with lots of extra meat? We did have that question as well. <laughs> Whether I like them or not. Yes. Yeah. Let's just say that Ian is happily married to a beautiful, wonderful blonde woman. And the voice you hear uh, at the beginning of our podcast is my wife, Lisa, who's just yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Corey, I think we had an offer of a threesome there, too, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do anything for attention. Yes, we will. <laughs> Uh, Corey, I think uh, this has been really valuable, I think, for a lot of people. I think one of the things, one of the podcasts we should do, uh, since spring is just around the corner here in uh, the Northern Hemisphere, we should do uh, a podcast on growing cannabis. The difference yeah, I actually spoke to somebody yesterday, but he's currently working on the oil rigs. Oh, Okay. Yeah. But so, if, if he's back in a couple of months, then... Uh, that would be fun to do, yeah, on how to grow. Yeah, because the difference is between growing outdoors and growing indoors with one of those tents that people have. Yeah, I think that would be valuable. I think it would be very helpful to people as well. It really would. Um, I just want to cover a couple of quick little things, too. Um, sure. First of all, oftentimes uh, pe- people send letters to Cannabis Health Radio which is great. Um, I'm so freaking busy that Ian, thank you, Ian, handles all of that side. So he will forward those letters to me. So when I when I respond to the person, it is coming from my email address. So if you've written Cannabis Health Radio mm-hmm. and you don't hear back from us, check your junk folder, okay? So um, my email is manababe at gmail.com and that's where our response will come from so because often these people write and then I send something to them and I never hear anything so I'm going to assume that they're not seeing the email the other thing I wanted to talk about is microdosing I get a lot of people asking what's microdosing 
So microdosing is when you're doing really tiny little amounts throughout the day orally. Okay, so you could do like little pinhead amounts every hour, every couple of hours. That's for people who have a very low tolerance or who need to be um, alert in the daytime or who uh, want to get a little extra bit in on top of doing that rectal dosing. Mm, good points. Corey, let's give a shout out to the those people who listen to Cannabis Health Radio because I noticed that on Facebook we are being shadow banned. I got a, a Facebook message on my personal page the other day from a woman I went to school with who's into cannabis and she wanted to know uh, why our podcast is, uh, why we're no longer doing the podcast. It wasn't on Facebook. And I said, it is on Facebook. And uh, I gave her, her our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. So these are some of the obstacles we're facing and have faced for the last few years. And that's why we have no sponsors on uh, Cannabis Health Radio. Um, the listeners are the sponsor. They're the ones who uh, help us out. And if you'd like to help us out, uh, you can donate a one-time monthly donation on Patreon for as little as five bucks a month, or you can make another donation on CannabisHealthRadio.com. A little window will pop up, and uh, you can take it from there. And yeah, a huge shout-out to all these people who are uh, listening around the world, etc. I had a message from a gentleman this morning in Nigeria who's listening to us. Yeah, a couple of years ago, we got a, um, an email from a fellow in South Africa who listens to us driving to work. Yeah, and pretty amazing. It is amazing. And we had a, a letter earlier this week from a woman who uh, in Australia, in Melbourne, who messaged me and said, been listening to your show for two weeks, think it's awesome. And she started listening to it, quote, after her wonderful daughter, or doctor, Center episode 330 and then prescribed several strains of cannabis for her. Ooh, hats off to the doctor. Hats off to the doctor. Absolutely. Corey, this was great. Uh, we'll have to do this again sometime, maybe in about uh, three years. <laughs> in about three years. Or if the listeners have a bunch of questions they want to send in, we could do a whole show on that as well. That's right. At some, point, at some point down the road. That's a good idea. Listeners' questions that uh, we didn't cover today. And uh, also, we'd like to once again thank you for your financial support at Cannabis Health Radio. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank you to Ron. Ron, yes, Ron, thank you. And thank you to Mark in Belgium, who posts our podcast on uh, Rumble and YouTube. And uh, we're also on Spotify. And uh, you can find us anywhere, really. And uh, Corey and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. 
You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.